Greetings, brethren. Here we are at the Feast of Tabernacles once again, another year. And what a blessing it is to experience the Feast of Tabernacles in the present, in our locations across the country and around the world. And it's also a blessing to be able to look forward to the Feast of Tabernacles in the millennium. In a few short years, hopefully, we all take God's instructions seriously. We're here to rejoice before the feast, before God, to experience some of the inner joy of knowing God's way of life, that it's working in our lives, it's working in our families, and also looking forward to the kingdom of God, looking forward to that time when the whole earth will be taught God's way of life. What a blessing to anticipate, to think about uh, years ahead of us. And as much as we annually look forward to the Feast of Tabernacles in our own lives, have you ever stopped to think what it would be like to enjoy the Feast of Tabernacles in the Kingdom of God, to enjoy the Kingdom of God personally, fully? Can you imagine the supreme joy and happiness that the world will experience at that time at the Feast of Tabernacles during the Kingdom of God when Jesus Christ is on this planet? Well, today I'd like to transport ourselves, if we might, to the Feast of Tabernacles a few years from now in the Kingdom of God. And one of the reasons that we rejoice at the Feast today, when God wants us to rejoice and to enjoy it with our families, uh, with a joyful spirit, even in Satan's world, and it certainly is Satan's world that surrounds us, is that we can look forward to the reality of the Kingdom of God, to God's Kingdom, when we are literally full-born members of God's family, and to us here in the Church of God, in the living Church of God, that's not mythology, that's not anything but our reality. Hopefully it is our reality to us personally. We can't all know the details of how the Feast of Tabernacles will be kept during the millennium, and God hasn't given us a detailed description, but we can know that society will be radically transformed in those early years around the planet. And in time, the entire world will be keeping the Feast of Tabernacles across every continent on this planet. And it will far surpass anything that we have experienced in our lives up to this point in time at the Feast of Tabernacles. So let's begin. Let's apply the principles of the Feast of Tabernacles that we find in the Scriptures, the outline in the Scriptures, a few years into the millennium, under the loving guidance of the King of Kings, under Jesus Christ Himself. What an exciting time that will be to look forward to the Feast of Tabernacles at that time. First of all, we need to realize that the transformation from Satan's society to God's society, what, what God intends, will take time. It won't happen all at once. It will take a period of time when we'll have to re-educate under Jesus Christ, under His leadership, re-educate the entire planet. Slowly but surely, it will take time for the world to learn those lessons. The entirety of the earth's population won't just fall down and worship Jesus Christ at His return. There are a moment His feet stand on the Mount of Olives. We're told in Revelation 11:18 that the nations are angry at that time. They're furious with this being's intervention as he ascends to Jerusalem. The Battle of Armageddon, of course, soon becomes part of that. And Jesus Christ and those with him begin the long process in time of re-educating the whole population, the entire planet. 
re-educating, unlearning all the error, and teaching to them the way of life, the way of peace, the way that's going to bring abundance in their lives, and also throughout society on every level. In fact, the initial Feast of Tabernacles, at that time, the Creator will drive home the point that He means business at that very moment, and He literally controls the weather. Of course, the planet, the population won't fully realize that initially. They'll be skeptical of Him, but we find that that will be the case, and He'll use that power to demonstrate as the Creator. He controls the weather, Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 14 mentions the feast, Zechariah 14 and verse 16. And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And it shall be that whichever of the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to, to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, on them there will be no rain. That is, those nations that will not send appropriate representation, actually Jesus Christ will stop their rain, stop the agricultural pattern of that, of that land. And if the family of Egypt, as an example, the family of Egypt will not come up and enter in, they shall have no rain, tremendous drought, and they shall receive the plague with which the Lord strikes the nations who do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Notice that. They'll learn a lesson very quickly. This is the Feast of God. And this shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all the nations, not just Egypt, but of all the nations on the entire planet that do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And you know, the Muslim mindset might say, you want us to do what? You want us to come to Jerusalem and keep this ancient Israeli observance and to worship the God of Israel? Initially, it will be no way. So obviously, the entirety of the earth's population won't be coming to Jerusalem, but representations of each nation will be encouraged to come, will be directed to come to learn that pattern of God's holy days and, and God's overall pattern of His will for humanity. And of course, obviously, a year or two of no rain ought to change anyone's mindset. No rain, tremendous drought, no crops, and of course, people begin to think. Their, their stomachs begin to drive their mind. They begin to realize that rejecting the Feast of Tabernacles will have its consequences just as much as rejecting the entire law of God up to that point has tremendous consequences on this planet. But let's uh, jump a few years further into the millennium after there will have been some teaching and training and instruction and humbling and we as God's people born into God's family will gently lead and guide and gently correct when that transition from Satan's world and all its rebellion and all its confusion to God's world when that transition will be more complete. You know, what a tremendous Feast of Tabernacles the earth can look forward to. We might ask, what will it be like? What will they experience? And, and those of us leading humanity under Jesus Christ, what will the Feast of Tabernacles be like at that time? Well, of course, we can't know fully, but we have principles and guidelines, and we can imagine how much greater the Feast of Tabernacles will be it will make a huge difference 
when the entirety of the world has been taught God's way of life for a few years. And now they're beginning to move that direction more aggressively. They want blessings. They want joy. They want a higher standard of living. People will no longer then be forced. They will no longer be needed to be forced to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. They will come eagerly in time, after a few years, after that transition period. Notice Isaiah. We look at uh, Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah 11 and verse 9. And we'll see something about that time. Isaiah 11 and verse 9. And it shall come to pass in that day, in that in time period, that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people who are left. And that's verse 11. Let's back up to verse 9. And they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the eternal. Notice this, as the waters cover the sea. The whole earth will become full of the knowledge of God and His plan and His purpose and His way of life. It says, as the majority waters today cover the sea. The earth shall be full in due time of the knowledge of God's way of life. It won't be hidden in a corner. You know, we'll all contribute. If we're there, we'll be contributing and helping. And individuals will want to know more how they can have a successful life. You know, some, the Feast of Tabernacles this year, some have flown probably thousands of miles over the ocean, various oceans, to whatever feast site that they are at. You know, if you looked out your window, if you were flying at that time, the window of your plane, and you had no doubt as you looked down at the water how thoroughly the water covers the seabeds. It, it, there is more water than land. And the Bible says the knowledge of God's way of life in due time, in the millennium, will cover the land exactly in the same way. It will cover the majority of the land. That is the knowledge of God's way of life. In time, every human being will eagerly anticipate the Feast of Tabernacles. They'll look forward to it. They'll want to, they'll want to be there. It won't be like today. Sometimes we have to struggle to get time off. The entire planet will eagerly look forward to that time when the whole world is keeping the feast. The picture begins to change dramatically. It changes quickly. If you take all of society out of their support roles today, when we enjoy the Feast of Tabernacles, of commercial business, when all that support staff is closed, when all of them are attending the Feast of Tabernacles, think about how that would change. No more restaurants as we know it today serving us. The employees, they're all at the feast. They're all God's people in due time. The gas stations generally are closed. The grocery stores are closed. The amusement parks are closed. They're all closed. All of them are enjoying the Feast of Tabernacles. So the current concept, when we think about it, concept of going to the Feast of Tabernacles, of transporting ourselves, for example, going to another city, to another continent, to another country, where everyone serves us. Everyone in society serves us. They serve us by exchange of money. You know, that's going to be out of the question. There's going to have to be a new model, at least. And we might think, so what are the alternatives? Of course, we have to project forward. When the whole earth is going God's way, what are the alternatives? You know, one possibility. And we can think of possibilities. 
Jesus Christ will give us the structure then and the fullness of the plan. Well, one possibility might be to have the Feast of Tabernacles community-based in our own areas, in our own areas, even resort-like areas. The temporary dwellings could be accomplished in some cases by individuals trading homes in some type of house exchange or house swap. That's a possibility. People wouldn't have to attend the feast in their own home, of course. That wouldn't accomplish that purpose. They could enjoy the excitement of, of experiencing maybe even the newness of someone else's house in another location. And if this were the case, people wouldn't ha have to have any longer. They wouldn't have to cram themselves into a, a smaller hotel room when maybe they're used to a, a larger home in some cases as a standard of living if humanity goes up. Now, keep in mind that that standard of living, including housing, not too many years into the millennium, will be far greater than what the world knows now on average. If you wipe out all the non-productive waste, all the, that we can think about that goes on, the standard of living will be so much higher on average than what we know now. No more military budget-busting expenses. No more, of course, prisons. No more police force that exists. No IRS no more graft and corruption, no more bloated health care systems that are so expensive today in this country and other countries. All of humanity's energy will be productive energy, and it will benefit mankind. And the standard of living will dramatically increase in due time, and so would housing on average. So remember... The fundamental principles of God's spiritual laws, and that is there are blessings for obedience. Hopefully, we're experiencing that in our own lives in so many ways. Today, in Satan's world, it's, it's not principally financially and, and with the abundance of greater and greater wealth, but it is blessings for obedience, a healthier mindset, more stable marriages, more joy in one's life, more stronger families, blessings for obedience, more peace in our life, all the fruit of God's Spirit. And of course, that's the theme from Genesis to the book of Revelation. There are blessings for obedience. And you can imagine how the blessings will flow when the whole world is beginning to obey the great God, Jesus Christ, and the laws of God and the principles of God, including the holy days and the feasts. Let's again turn to Deuteronomy, Blessings for Obedience, Deuteronomy chapter 28, and you multiply that millions of fold as millions and even maybe uh, billions in due time begin to obey God. The blessings will be multiplied, Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 1, now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all His commandments, which I have commanded you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And the blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. And you can imagine how this will occur in the millennium as the whole world's going this way. Because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. That is key. That is fundamental. Blessings for obedience. And we think of them principally today, more so as emotionally, mentally, spiritually, but, of course, it will apply physically and financially in the millennium, even more so as the whole world goes that way. Blessed shall you be in the city, 
in the city. There will be some city life, not massive confusion as we see today in the huge cities. But blessed shall you be in the city, even the smaller cities. And blessed shall you be in the country, and great blessings in the country, and a better way of life, and more peace. Less smog, less pollution, less crime. And blessed shall be the fruit of your body, healthy children being born. A lot of healing going on initially. The produce of your ground, healthy crops. You know, holistically applying the laws of God completely. The produce of your ground, the increase of your herds. No more, no more mad cow disease or this, that, or the other thing. The increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket, you know, your basket, your produce, and your kneading bowl. You know, no more E. coli and spinach, as we've had a problem with yeah, occasionally in the United States. Blessed shall you be when you come in and when you go out. Blessed shall you be when you go out. In other words, it's part of the way of life, coming and going. There's blessings for obeying God. There will be blessings in society. And the Lord will cause your enemies to rise against you to be defeated. Well, we know in time, of course, the, the nations will no longer be at each other's throats. But in time, you know, the enemies of God's way of life will be defeated early in the millennium. And the Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses in every way and in all to which you set your hand. Everything you set your hand as a people, following God, what a tremendous blessing when the level of competition and greed among nations and corporations is eliminated, all working together. In all to which you set your hand, and He will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Of course, the whole planet is God's. God will give humanity land to inhabit Land for each family, apparently. Great blessing. Verse 11, And the Lord will, will grant you plenty of goods. There won't be a scarcity. You know, the assets of the God family are immeasurable. They are abundant, even on this planet. The Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of your ground. It will bring health to humanity. When it's done the right way, in the land to w of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. In verse 12, the Lord will open to you his good treasure, his physical blessings of abundance, but his spiritual blessings of abundance within the family, within marriages, within communities. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain in due season at the right time. No more crop failures, to your land in its season, at the right season, at the right time, and to bless all the work of your hand, as long as you follow God, as long as you are applying those principles, and you shall lend to many nations. And of course, we could apply that to the nations of Israel as they initially wholeheartedly begin to follow Jesus Christ, and they'll lend. They'll become a very great system of nations. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. There will be no need to borrow, to go into debt. The principle of blessings for obedience will apply to the whole earth, not just Israel, but the entirety of the earth, all of humanity, and this standard of living will greatly increase then on average. 
It will greatly increase as all the graft and corruption and warfare and competition and strife as people begin to work together following the representatives of the God family in whatever area they live as those representatives, brothers of Christ, follow the directives of Jesus Christ from Jerusalem. What a tremendous difference that will make. Well, you have to think about that. The standard of living will increase. And you know, the standard of the Feast of Tabernacles also, as a result, will increase the joy, even materially as well. One possible arrangement, we think of uh, whole communities, we think of whole nations, uh, we, we think of the possibility of a housing swap, of housing swaps, different cities or between different countries. People could enjoy experiencing the feast in different nations. For example, maybe New Zealand one year, maybe, maybe Austria the next year. If the feast were set up with an international swap of housing and feast sites, if that's one possibility, clearly people would need a little extra time off for the feast, coming and going. There would be travel time to the feast before the transportation systems are shut down because those who run the transportation systems will be at the feast. So there would be a little lag time, the transportation before the feast, and of course, after the feast in a different way. Gas stations will be shut down during the feast. Airlines will be shut down. Trains will be shut down. You know, all of those means of transportation and the employees, of course, will go to the Feast of Tabernacles. It would also be a possibility that each community could have its own separate festivals, maybe resort-like locations by chance, in smaller cities and more rural area. Whatever the reality, and we'll follow the leadership of Jesus Christ, it seems that God's Word has presented the possibility of either. Deuteronomy chapter 14. Deuteronomy chapter 14. Let's notice 14, beginning in verse 24. And God's principles are stated here for the Feast of Tabernacles. But if the journey is too long, so there may be occasionally longer journeys for some people and maybe some communities in the, at that time in the millennium. If the journey is too long for you, so that you are not able to carry the tithe, or if the place where the Lord your God chooses to put His name is too far from you, when the Lord your God has blessed you, verse 25, then you, you shall exchange it for money. You notice that system has always been there right from the start. If the distance is far, one exchanges their produce if they're farming, or their other productive materials. You shall exchange it for money. Take the money in your hand, Take it with you and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses. Where the Lord your God chooses. It could be a close journey. It could be a long journey. God says you will take the increase, that, that tenth, with you. Either way, close or far, the focus of the feast will become worship and fellowship and combined family activities. It will be tremendous as opposed to uh, more today in society, today's entertainment, which requires support, of course, of those who are keeping, uh, those who are not keeping the feast. But in the millennium, that support staff of the world will not be there, and it will be more and more focused among our brethren, among families. It will be more and more family-oriented. What type of activities could you anticipate at the feast in the millennium? 
Well, it seems likely that the Feast of Tabernacles would become the social highlight of the year, of the entire year for people. Think about that. They've been waiting for it. They've been planning for it. They've journeyed near or far. Very possibly the social highlight, the spiritual highlight, yes, one of them, but also the social highlight. How about thinking about it? How about an evening community concert at that time? You know, years ago, growing up, yeah, when I was a child, I had no interest in concerts of, of any type, such as symphonic orchestras. I just didn't grow up with that, with that appreciation. But later, later in life, I had a life-changing experience at Ambassador College when I was uh, 30, and my wife and her family moving to Pasadena. And I had been expected to attend some of the concerts at Ambassador Auditorium at that time. And I thought, okay, I'm expected. It's music appreciation, so I'll go. But I didn't have the level of appreciation from my background. But one evening, I attended the Vienna Symphonic Orchestra, and I was overwhelmed with the sound, with the music. The orchestra journeyed from Vienna, Austria. The music at that time came to my ears. That night sounded like almost like seamless velvet. It, it was healing to the ears to hear that quality of music. The acoustics were perfect to my ears in the auditorium. The sound was like nothing I had ever heard before, live and up close in the auditorium. And, you know, we can look forward to that. Human beings can look forward to that kind of experience. I think music, one form of music or another, on a higher plane in God's kingdom, it will be more emphasized at that time, even in worship, very likely. Remember, musical ability was originally created by God, by God himself. Even Lucifer, it was said, to have what we assume to be enormous musical ability. And, of course, he's probably used that musical ability for wrong purposes in society's music today. But originally, Lucifer had great musical ability. God's an appreciation. We know God appreciates fine music. Ezekiel chapter 28, we see that in some of the examples of worship in the Old, in the old uh, Testament. And we see back in Ezekiel, harking back to that time of Lucifer and his abilities, the workmanship within Lucifer. Ezekiel chapter 28 Verse 12, Son of man, take up lamentations for the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God. Of course, Satan being the power behind the throne. Thus says the Lord God, You are the seal of perfection. Obviously, that's not a reference to a human being, but the one who is behind that throne. The seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Now notice verse 13. You were in Eden, the garden of God. You were alive at that time. The garden of God, every precious stone was your covering. The sardis, the topaz, the diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. Beautiful appearance. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you. On a day you were created, a spirit being, on a day that Lucifer was created. He had tremendous, apparently tremendous, musical ability. 
And he's taken that God-given ability and he's turned it for wrong purposes in society today. To turn them away from God, away from the way of life that brings stability, but towards rebellion and rejection of God and His principles. Think of that kind of ability, the right kind of ability that God had once created apparently in Lucifer, when God uses it again, when Jesus Christ uses musical abilities again for the uplifting experience for humanity, even at the Feast of Tabernacles, maybe a community festival, talent, and entertainment evening at the feast might be an extension, could be another exciting possibility. Can't you or couldn't you anticipate the music will somehow, of course, be part more of the fabric of people's lives, the right kind of music during the millennium, you know, godly music to uplift them. You know, what a good time as we analyze it, and we think at the Feast of Tabernacles to showcase some of that developed godly musical talent. The Feast of Tabernacles each year, one of the social highlights, or the social highlight of the entire year. What a blessing. How about a Potentially, how about a formal family dance at the Feast of Tabernacles? And when we say formal, of course, we don't mean stuffy. That's not the intent, stuffy and ill at ease, but graceful, uh, comfortable, graceful dancing with the, maybe the finest clothing for the dance of the year at the highlight of the Feast of Tabernacles. A live orchestra, of course, would play music of superb quality, an outstanding dinner would be served, very likely. It would far surpass what the average person could afford today with the exquisite cuts as we think about it and we anticipate it of beef and fish and beautiful salads and the finest wines. Now, what a blessing, what an opportunity as people come together, at, potentially at a banquet at the Feast of Tabernacles. Manners and etiquette. All based, not on stuffiness, all based on outgoing concern for others. And the foundation of manners and proper etiquette, outgoing concern for others, so others can appreciate and enjoy. That would be the order of the day. People will be very mannerly in a right, godly way. Perhaps the entire evening would be put on why, everyone at the feast, maybe we all join together. Maybe every human being at the feast joins together, each serving in some capacity so that all could thoroughly enjoy the evening. So many other possibilities, as we analyze it, could exist. Maybe, for example, a true craft fair where people display the quality of workmanship that possibly has been passed down from generation to generation in the millennium when workmanship is valued, when quality is valued, is passed down through families for generations in the millennium, maybe a craft fair, a workmanship fair at the Feast of Tabernacles displaying higher quality, just as God's way of life displays higher quality, of course, of character within the family of God. Well, young children will likely enjoy, we assume, animals at the Feast of Tabernacles, and not just at a zoo somewhere, as animals have their natural natures, we might say, changed, or animals are no longer carnivores in the same way they are with human beings being endangered. 
Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11 makes a reference to this. Isaiah 11 and verse 6. In verse 6 we read, The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion, and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. Think, wow, you know, what excitement for a little child to lead, to, to lead animals of this sort. Can you imagine how children would enjoy, for example, maybe swimming with the dolphins and porpoises, or possibly in clear tropical waters, maybe on the back of a whale, or maybe even a great white shark. Maybe even animals of that sort. What a blessing. What a blessing for our children to see God's, to see God's creation. It is, it is joy of variety and harmony up close and personal. Maybe even at the Feast of Tabernacles. I think we can all know of so many possibilities at the Feast of Tabernacles during the Kingdom of God. Whatever the outcome, it will be uplifting. It will be enriching and almost overwhelming compared to you know, what the world has to offer surrounding our feast sites today. Overwhelmingly better when the whole world is going God's way. And of course, there will no longer be families at that time with just a husband or a wife going to the feast. All people will have access to God, and everyone will want the abundant way of life. Everyone will want a better way of life as they begin to understand as we make it clear, as we teach and guide and gently correct, everyone will want to benefit themselves in due time as they understand. Jesus Christ spoke of abundance. He spoke of spiritual abundance. John chapter 7. John chapter 7 and verse 37. Verse 37 we read, on the last day, that great day of the feast, notice, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And that will certainly be true in the millennium. All the families of the earth. And he who believes in me, as the Scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. We're speaking of spiritual, emotional, mental abundance. Verse 39, but this he spoke concerning the Spirit. You know, the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, our mindsets, humanity's mindsets in the millennium. He spoke concerning the Spirit with those believing in him who would, re would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So this will be magnified at that time. The whole earth, a spiritual abundance, access to the great God, what an awesome time when it, large extended families will all know the one true God. It won't be just one or two out of an extended family. It could be grandparents and children and grandchildren and cousins and aunts and uncles. They know each other. They're physical family, but they're also spiritual family. They all come together at the Feast of Tabernacles. And what a tremendous blessing that will be. And in most cases... We would assume extended families having grown up together in the same community, in the same area, not spread clear across the country or in different continents. And they may likely attend the same feast site, physical family, spiritual family, together 
You know, what a magnification of the blessings of God's way of life, of the Feast of Tabernacles. Can you imagine how stabilizing it will be when all our physical family will also be our spiritual family? You know, you can think of your own family and, uh, you know, your loved ones that are not part of God's way of life. And you think how stabilizing it would be if all of them were supportive, if all of them were on the team, all of them were supportive of you in God's way of life. You know, when Jesus Christ was 12 years old, he attended the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast, and in this case, I believe it would be of unleavened bread, but a similar pattern here, with his family in Jerusalem. And apparently, the extended family, including some cousins, traveled together. You know, how exciting that would be. Luke chapter, Luke chapter 2, and verse 41. Notice this experience of Jesus Christ himself at 12 years old. Luke chapter 2, and verse 41. And it says, His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. Now notice verse 44. But supposing him to have been in the company... They went a day's journey and sought him among, notice, their relatives, the extended family, and acquaintances. Now, clearly, the feast time, in this case, as they headed to Passover and unleavened bread, feast time, of course, the Feast of Tabernacles as well, it was a family occasion. And even more so, it will be true when everyone is going God's way. You know, Mary and Joseph were good parents. They weren't neglectful. But in that society at that time of extended families, you know, it would be exciting to travel together. And they, they assumed that was the case. Traveling together, cousins, aunts, uncles, grandparents, and all the rest, as we anticipate the millennium and even the Feast of Tabernacles, you know, what a tremendous blessing when it will be physical family equal spiritual family at that time. Well, how about... The church services themselves at the Feast of Tabernacles. What will they be like? Can we project forward? Can we think of possibilities? Well, each of us, as sons of God, will have a part and will have a responsibility at the Feast of Tabernacles. It will be an unmistakably large privilege, great privilege, to teach and encourage and inspire at the Feast of Tabernacles. By then, we'll be gone our own human frailties and handicaps our limited memory and energy and limited recall, gone. Gone will be our limited, even vocal capacity, our ability to speak and reach out to others. And as trained members of God's family at that time, we will teach with a perfect balance of emotion and logic, a perfect balance, no longer an imbalance in one way or another, no boring, dry teaching, nor emotional showmanship, but godly, effective balance is only a God being can accomplish. What a tremendous experience as teachers that will be at the Feast of Tabernacles. Can you anticipate guest speakers, for example? Maybe David, maybe King David over all of Israel, or Abraham, or the Apostle Paul, or Herbert Armstrong, or maybe even Jesus Christ himself. 
the Creator Himself at the Feast of Tabernacles. Wouldn't it be exciting to actually hear from the Creator, from Jesus Christ, it, it could give you chills just thinking about it, listening to Him at the Feast of Tabernacles. Jesus Christ appearing in all His power and glory, maybe even in all the feast sites at the same time, all the feast sites at once. The appearance of the Son of God. You know, how could God do it? Well, I can't say. We can't say. But we know God has the capacity. Maybe Jesus Christ at all the feast sites, maybe in living color, kind of like 3D, right before your, your, your eyes. Some may wonder what kind of technology would be used to accomplish that. Of course, we don't know. But we do know that this would not be too difficult for the family of God, for the master physicist, for the creator of the universe. So how about the problem, as we analyze it, of simultaneously speaking to all nations and languages at the same time? Well, at the beginning of the millennium, of course, the supernatural power of speaking in tongues would be quite helpful, wouldn't it? It would be quite useful as we think about that. Acts chapter 2 is an example. Acts chapter 2, we, we read about that amazing miracle that God can accomplish if He chooses to. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. Now when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They were all together. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind kind of filled them with excitement. But it says it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under the heavens. Also now we're thinking of the millennium and every planet, every, every nation upon the planet, I should say. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in their own language you know, what a technological marvel. What a spiritual technological marvel. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Look, are not all of these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language and in which we were born? Verse 11, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongue, the wonderful works of God. You know, and, and you can transport yourself into the millennium as maybe Jesus Christ speaks, and everyone hears in their own language. And so they were all amazed and perplexed, saying one to another, what could this mean? What could this mean? You know, what a blessing, what a tremendous tool, if Jesus Christ decides to use it in the millennium. What a spiritual technology, simultaneous translation, you might call it. But later in the millennium, we know as time goes on, a single, apparently pure language is taught and spoken throughout the earth. So much better communication as a result. And, of course, we can read about that in Zephaniah. Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 9. Zephaniah chapter 3. There we go. And verse 9. For then I will restore to the peoples a pure language a pure language, that they all may call on the name of the Lord to serve Him with one accord. One language, one accord. 
No longer need for translation or, of course, even speaking in tongues for that matter. No longer needing headsets at feast sites for visitors from a foreign feast site. Everyone speaks the same language. Everyone hears the truth in its purity. How about special music? I'm sure it will be magnificent, especially when the King of Kings delivers his message. Remember, God created the capacity for music. The example being, of course, Lucifer's musical creation. God enjoys a kind of beauty and harmony of godly music. And we read at the birth of Christ, we find a heavenly choir of angels praising God. Now, God enjoys beauty in music. Luke chapter 2, as an example. Luke chapter 2, in verse 8. Now, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you in this day, in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now notice verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will towards men. Amazing, isn't it? I'm sure a magnificent choir. I'm sure that could be reproduced, even in the millennium. Maybe the King of Kings is delivering his message. And maybe also special music. Maybe even this kind of heavenly choir. Maybe there, maybe hovering over the stage. It would absolutely captivate any audience. That, that beauty, that, that, that type of auditory beauty that we've probably never even heard. You know, talk about spell-binding majesty. Both the Son of God and, and an angelic, heavenly choir. You know, no one will be sitting there with their eyes closed, half asleep. And it will be exciting. It will keep one on the edge of their seat as human beings are drinking in at the Feast of Tabernacles. And maybe in other days of the feast, maybe other special music that's presented by superbly trained human singers will likely add another touch of elegance and grandeur as human beings add to it. In ancient Israel, special music, including singers and, and musical instruments, were an integral part of various types of services. We can see that in the Old Testament. At the time the ark was being brought up to Jerusalem, we see an example of that in 1 Chronicles, 1 Chronicles chapter 15. 1 Chronicles chapter 15, and beginning in verse 16. It says, And then David spoke to the leaders of the Levites to appoint their brethren to be the singers accompanied by instruments of music, stringed instruments, harps, cymbals, by raising the voice with resounding joy, by raising the voice. Now think of that, of all these instruments. And that, notice a dedication service later for the temple in Solomon's time. In Second uh, Chronicles, 
Let's turn over to Second Chronicles, chapter 5 this time. Chapter 5 and verse 11. Then Hiram made the pots and shovels. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 5, that is. And verse 11. And it came to pass, when the priests came out of the most holy place, for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without keeping to their divisions. And the Levites who were the singers, and all those of Asaph and Heman and Jezutham, and all their sons and brethren, and it goes on to say, stood at the east of the end of the altar, clothed in white linen, having cymbals and string instruments and harps, and with them 120 priests sounding with trumpets. Notice, 120 priests. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeteers and singers were as one together to make one sound, to be heard in praising and thanking the Eternal. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For He is good, for His mercy endures forever, that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. Now, how outstanding would that be to, to be present, to see that, to hear that? We know years later, another outstanding example was the Thanksgiving service during the time uh, after the Jews returned from Babylon. And the walls at Jerusalem were rededicated, were dedicated during the time of Nehemiah. As we look at the scriptures, as we look at Nehemiah, as we turn to that time period, we'll find an example, an example that uh, can be, I think, uplifting and exciting to anticipate ahead of us. Nehemiah chapter 12 and verse 31. Verse 31. So I brought the leaders of Judah up on the wall and appointed two large thanksgiving choirs, one of which went to the right hand on the wall toward the refuse gate. And verse 40, let's move on down to verse 40. So the two thanksgiving choirs stood in the house of God. Likewise, I and, and the half of the rulers with me. Verse 42, and it speaks to the various ones, the bottom part of the verse, the singers sang loudly as Jehezariah as their director. So they sang loudly and together. Verse 46, where in the days of David and Asaph of old, there were chiefs of the singers and songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. Music and singing, especially at the Feast of Tabernacles, will be a joyous part at that time, a joyous part of services during the kingdom of God. It will be uplifting. It will be encouraging. A little bit of a positive emotional lift. Music will inspire then, lifting one's spirits. And bring the worship of God to a higher level, to a higher plane, all under the direction of Jesus Christ, under His guidance, the very Creator Himself. You know, you can think about congregational hymn singing as well. Think what it would be like when all humans are taught to sing, more effort is put into it, and actually in time hit the notes with trained voices. It's part of their life. Years ago, 
when our children attended Imperial School in Pasadena, there was a music program initiated, and every young child, even also some preschool children, were taught to, to sight-read music, or were taught to match the notes with their voices. That was part of their training, and that was the goal from uh, their early years on. Now, think how uplifting that would be when the entire congregation making beautiful music together with their voices and really energetic, energetically being a part of it, getting into it. Today, of course, we do our best with limited experience, lack of training musically, but the time will come when music is an integral part of our culture on an uplifting level. It will benefit all mankind and as well at the Feast of Tabernacles. So the scriptures are full of examples of God's intentions for his people in song. We read in Psalms, But let their righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Let them rejoice exceedingly. Sing to God. Sing praises to His name. Extol Him who rides on the clouds. As taken from Psalm 68, verses 3 and 4. So that's a part of uh, worship. Singing, beauty, harmony, praising God. And needless to say, church services at the Millennial Feast of Tabernacles, year by year, will be superb, will be beyond anything we can imagine today. The auditoriums even, on the physical plane, will also directly reflect the quality of our God and His way of life. I can still remember how uplifted we were with the physical grandeur of Ambassador Auditorium dedicated to the great God. And for three years... Our family had the opportunity. We never got tired, Sabbath by Sabbath, walking the Sabbath services and holy days in the auditorium. It was so uplifting, even, even the quality, the level of light, the acoustics, the fellowship. The setting was so beautiful, with entryway, of course, flooded with natural lights among the crystal chandeliers at that time, as well as the onyx and a gold leaf. That was there, beautifully colored wool carpets and all their fine work and tapestry. To me, it was always, it seemed to reflect the uplifting nature of God. It was always uplifting to walk into services in the auditorium. We have this and more to look forward to. Humanity has it to look forward to, whether they know it or not. We have that to look forward to in the millennium, especially at the Feast of Tabernacles, of course, weekly at Sabbath services as well. But we will be overseeing the construction of auditoriums in every community and festival location around the planet. What a tremendous blessing that will be. That even the physical quality will reflect on God's way of life, on the quality of our God, on His laws, His way of life. And to match, as we think about it and project, the quality of the meeting locations, of the auditoriums, of course, is still part of landscaping, God's creation. It will still remind everyone the tremendous creative abilities of the Creator, of God Himself. Of course, we can only anticipate the beautiful balance and harmony of trees and flowers and maybe streams as well, in perfect balance at that time around the settings of the auditoriums, but maybe even some wildlife and beautiful birds, you know, just adding to the, to the field to the quality. And as joyous and exciting as that millennial feast will be, 
for all the people on the earth, you and I as members of God's family will also have a tremendously fulfilling experience as part of the very family of God. And we'll begin to enjoy seeing families under our guidance by the hundreds or thousands. We'll begin to see them prosper as we continue to teach and train, as we love them properly, as we show them this is the way, walk you in it. God's way of life is the blueprint of human happiness. Those who are truly following God's way of life as they begin to prosper in the millennium. In every case, our capacity to love and to contribute will be light years of what we have today, what we have the capacity as human beings. When we're fully born in the family of God, without the limitations as we know it today, currently, our capacity to love is limited. Our capacity to serve is limited because we have limited capacity to reach out and to fulfill others' needs. We have limited resources, limited energy, limited abilities. Of course, right now, if we had to be concerned with the needs of even a family of ten children, if our family had ten children, we'd be overloaded today. Most of us would be overloaded by demands and requests and our energy capacity, and we would be distracted. But God, and when we were sons of God, be similar, God has the capacity, as we know, to even know the numbers of the very head, of the very hairs, rather, of your head. Not that he needs to know it, but he has that much capacity, that much ability in his consciousness, his awareness. He can know the falling even of a sparrow, as Scripture says, and he can all... Name the stars throughout all the galaxies by name. God has that capacity. And as sons of God, junior members of the family of God, we will have the capacity to have equal concern for all those under our care, whether it's a city or two or five or a region. And we'll consider them as our own children, and generation by generation in the millennium. And they will all be together at the feast. You know, what a privilege it will be to see stronger families and marriages than even we've ever known. You know, we, we've come out of the world. And at that time, we'll see those individuals under our guidance and direction. And we'll begin to see that joy in their life. And we will be fulfilled, the ultimate fulfillment, the ultimate fulfillment in job assignment in the family of God. Let's look at Psalm chapter, Psalm chapter 128. We'll see what that experience to some degree will be like. Psalm chapter 128 and verse 1. In verse 1 we read, Blessed is everyone who fears the eternal, who walks in his ways. When you see the labor of your hands, the labor of your hands, you shall be happy. It shall be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. Your children are like olive plants all around your table. They're not rebellious. And behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the eternal. Now, this is our future as we see other human beings under our care, as we see them prosper. And the level of joy increases year by year. I'm sure... We'll be all be quite busy during the Feast of Tabernacles at that time, but not without some 
likely help, of course, from the angels. From the angels, they're there, they're created by God. We read about that in Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1 and, and verse 13. But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? Verse 14. Are they not ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? So God created angels to be serving spirits, ministering spirits, and their help serving at the Feast of Tabernacles will be very useful to us, very helpful to us as sons of God as we oversee the feast, using the help and the strength of the, of the angelic world. And as our feast-goers get their eight hours of sleep, of course, they'll need their rest, we will also be able to accomplish more as sons of God, no longer needing rest, not needing to sleep anymore, having full energy and being energized, and there will be opportunity of enjoying each other's company and fellowship among the family of God. We will reminisce, I suppose, how it was many years ago, maybe even remembering this very feast that, that we are at, wherever we are, at the Feast of Tabernacles this year. And we can remember back then what it was like and how much better it is today in the kingdom of God. Maybe some of us will even remember, remember in particular this very feast, a time of relative peace before the storm on this planet, before the day of the Lord, before the tribulation, before the hour of trial that will come upon the whole world. And all of you at that time in the kingdom of God, as you look back, will be organizing and helping organize various feast sites, though on a much grander scale, as you think about what it will be like in the kingdom of God, the entire population of thousands rather than a few hundred, as thousands and thousands begin to come to the Feast of Tabernacles and assemble before the great God, before the God family. And I can also imagine during the night hours at the Feast of Tabernacles, for the sons of God, maybe, maybe even a quick trip to some other feast site, possibly even Jerusalem, possibly the city of the king, Psalm chapter 48. Let's, let's look at a scripture, I think, that... Uh, is of interest, Psalm chapter 48 and verse 1. Psalm 48 and verse 1. We read, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God. And that will be certainly true even more so in the millennium. In the city of our God, in His holy mountain, Jesus Christ there, beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth, that city, the premier city on the planet at the time, he is Mount Zion on the sides of the north. The city of the great God is in her palaces. He is known as her refuge. Think about that time projecting into the millennium. The Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus Christ leads the way. We communicate with Jesus Christ himself. And as Jesus Christ gives us direction, and we in turn give direction and even general correction to all of humanity on the planet at that time, teaching them in God's way of life, week by week and year by year, highlighting even at the Feast of Tabernacles. What a tremendous joy that will be. We have so much to look forward to, to the kingdom of God, to the Feast of Tabernacles, and we can all be a, a part of it. What a blessing. We have so much to look forward to. We can thank our God that He has called us at this time. 